following programme contains truths, half-truths and nothing like the truth. This fictional comedy is based on highly unlikely apocryphal rock and roll tales and any resemblance to actual events is purely coincidental. Hello and welcome to Rock and Ori on Absolute Radio. Rock and roll stories for people who don't have or need a bedtime. This is The Kiss and the Cow, Chapter 1. Once upon a time, on a hillside far, far away, there lived a cow. Every day, young Jack, who lived with his mother on the farm, would help her with the chores, milking the cow, chopping the wood, and loudly complaining about the post-Brexit deal with Australian beef suppliers. They were very poor, so one day mother said to Jack, What shall we do? What shall we do? Our animal welfare standards and meat prices are being undercut by tariff-free foreign trade deals. You must go to the market, Jack, and sell our cow. So Jack grabbed the bull by the horns, pulled it away from the cow and headed off toward town with the latter. He hadn't got far when he met a very funny-looking man indeed. Good morning, said the funny-looking man. Where are you off to this fine morning? I'm going to market to sell our cow, said Jack, staring at the funny-looking man's funny-looking lycra outfit and big funny-looking pantomime boots with spikes on. Well, said the funny-looking man. What a hopeful little boy you are. In fact, I have a special deal for such a good little boy like you. Jack eyed the funny-looking man suspiciously, wondering who on earth he was and why his face was painted in black and white makeup that made him look a bit like a silly demon. My mother told me to keep away from people like you, said Jack. I'll call the police. No, wait, said the funny-looking man, and he pulled out a guitar case. This is a court GS Axe Punisher bass guitar. He said. It's got a solid and double-cut body with a little white trim and bolt-on construction. It's got two EMG active pickups hardwired right to the volume knob. I've got rid of the pickup selector and the input jack, and I'd like to swap it for Daisy. She's called Bessie, said Jack. Whatever, said the funny-looking man. Just give me your cow. Reluctantly, Jack handed Daisy, or Bessie or whatever, over to the funny-looking man with the black-and-white face makeup that made him look like a silly demon and watched him lead her away. As he did so, Jack saw he was licking his lips with what appeared to be a tiny tongue. Jack looked down at his new court GS Axe Punisher bass guitar and wondered what Mother would say when he got home. Back already, Jack? Asked Mother. I see you haven't got old Bess. You've sold her so quickly. How much did you get for her? Jack smiled and put the bass guitar case on the table. Just look at this! He said. It's a court GS Axe Punisher. What? Cried Jack's mother. Oh, silly boy! How could you give away our milking cow for a custom-made musical instrument? And with that, she burst into tears. Meanwhile, far away on the other side of the hill, the funny-looking man with the black-and-white face makeup that made him look like a silly demon was leading Daisy or Bessie or whatever into a garishly decorated tour bus with the word KISS written on the side in fancy letters. On board were his friends, Paul Stanley, big mascara star around his eye, Ace Freely, a sort of space creature thing, and Peter Chris, who for some inexplicable reason had painted his face as a cat, like a child at a school fair. You got one then, Gene? Said Paul, because the name of the funny-looking man was indeed Gene. Gene Simmons, out of the rock band Kiss. I did, said Gene. And I shall now fulfil my destiny. And with that, he licked his lips with a tiny tongue for the final time. Whatever could he mean? What did he want with a cow? Why were all their faces painted, especially the one who'd had his done to look like an unthreatening cat? And what had Gene Simmons' tongue have to do with any of it? Find out in tomorrow's edition of Rockinori. This is The Kiss and the Cow, Chapter 2. 
In their heyday, multi-platinum selling rock band Kiss embraced theatrics as enthusiastically as we might embrace our vaccinated elderly parents. Metal cod pieces, elaborate flame-throwing guitars, great big platform boots and face paint were the order of the day. Face paint so elaborate it gave new meaning to the phrase kiss and make up. Yet although they had achieved enormous global success, band co-founder Gene Simmons still felt that something was missing. Guys, I feel like something is missing. I can't put my finger on it. His bandmate Paul was concerned. Come on, Gene, we got metal card pieces and flamethrowers and lycra and great big clumpy boots. Show him, Pete. Pete the drummer lifted one leg. He was wearing boots typical of the band. They were knee-high and metal-looking and covered in spikes. See? We're so rock and roll. What more do you need? I'm talking about my tongue, Paul, said Gene. That's what I can't put my finger on because it's tiny. It's like that of an ant or a lizard. Not a big lizard, one of those really small lizards you sometimes see running up a wall when you're on holiday in Greece, perhaps Corfu or Kos. But Gene, it's just a normal-sized tongue. You can still belt out the hits with it, like Detroit Rock City or that one about rocking and rolling all night and partying every day. Yeah, but there's the problem, Paul. I can't party every day with this. I want to unfurl it and wiggle it about, both on stage and off. I want to be known for my long tongue, Paul. And I must do something about it. We've already got gimmicks, Gene. We got gimmicks coming out of our asses. Not literally, because I am not putting mine anywhere near a flamethrower, as I've told you before. Kiss sold album after album and ticket after ticket on the reputation of their incredible live shows. But still, Gene wasn't satisfied. What he wanted was a long tongue. Something that he could call his own and that would make him so very rock and roll. After all, other bands also had flamethrowers and makeup and great big clumpy boots, but no one, no one had a great big tongue that was far too big for a human mouth. And so one day on the tour bus, he began to hatch a plan. Oh, hey, Pete. Peter was the band's drummer. His face was painted like a cat. What are you doing? I'm reading all these books on animals, Pete. Look at this one. What is it? An anteater. It has a very specialised tongue which darts in and out of its mouth up to 150 times per minute. A giant anteater has this ability because it has to visit up to 200 nests per day to consume the thousands of insects it needs to satisfy its caloric requirements. Right. I'm thinking of getting one. An anteater? Why? No. A tongue like that. Imagine what I could do with it. You gotta let it go, Gene. You got a perfectly adequate human tongue which caters for all human needs. You don't have a metabolism that requires you to visit up to 200 insect nests per day to satisfy your caloric requirements. It's not about caloric requirements, Pete. It's about being able to unfurl it and wiggle it about on stage and elsewhere, such as parties. What about this one? The chameleon has the longest tongue of any living creature relative to the size of its body. On average, it is twice the length of the creature from nose to tail. Gene, that's just ridiculous. In humans, that would be a tongue about 10 to 12 feet long. Where would you keep it? Even rolled up, it would block your esophagus and you'd suffocate. Yes, but imagine unfurling it at Madison Square Gardens in front of thousands of fans. No, Gene, it's silly. Look, what about this one instead? Peter pointed at a picture of a panting wolf. No, Pete, a wolf's tongue is all soft and wet like a dog's. The anteaters has got spikes on it, and the chameleons produces a viscous, sticky mucus on the tip that's 400 times thicker than human saliva. No. I'm going to find me an animal with a great big tongue and have it transplanted in. Stop the tour bus! And with that, while his bandmates looked on, Gene grabbed his bass guitar in its case and stomped off the bus in his great big clumpy metal platform boots with spikes on. 
What would he find out here in the middle of nowhere? And would it be enough to fix his frenulum frustration? After all, they weren't in the jungle, home of anteaters and chameleons, but in the countryside, home of farm animals, birds and domesticated wildfowl. Join us tomorrow for part three of the story of the Kiss and the Kai, only on Rockanori. Hello, and welcome to Rockanori, rock and roll stories for people who don't have or need a bedtime. This is The Kiss and the Cow, Chapter 3. Wandering along the road, humming his hits such as Crazy Crazy Nights or one of the other ones to himself, Gene Simmons from Kiss was looking forward to finding a new tongue, something with which he could wow the fans and, if he was honest, the ladies too. He hadn't really seen any animals so far though, save for a dead badger, so his bass guitar case containing his court GS Axe Punisher bass in his hand, he turned off the road towards a deep, dark wood. My bandmates are wrong, muttered Gene to himself. With a very long tongue from an animal transplanted into my mouth, I will also be able to sing louder and shout it, shout it, shout it out loud. Like in the lyrics of my 1976 hit, Shout It Out Loud. I'll find an animal and bring it back to the tour bus to get its tongue for myself. That'll show him. So Gene Simmons took a stroll through the deep, dark wood. He soon saw a mouse, and the mouse looked good. Where are you going to, little brown mouse? Said Gene Simmons from Kiss. Come and have lunch in my underground house, the mouse said. Gene replied, All right, it's not an underground house, it's a tour bus. But look, what what sort of tongue have you got? Relative to body size, I mean. Get lost, you weirdo, said the mouse. On went Gene through the deep, dark wood, and Gene saw an owl, and the owl looked good. Then he looked more closely. Nope, thought Gene. Owls have a hole at the back of their tongue called a glottis, and that might impede my high notes on stage. So on went Gene Simmons from Kiss through the deep, dark wood and Gene Simmons from Kiss saw a fox and the fox was useless to him not being altogether too dissimilar to a dog or a wolf both of which he previously dismissed tongue wise earlier in the story the fox said where are you going to weird looking man I'm trying to find a new tongue to please all my fans said Gene I'm a rock star a rock star said the fox what's a rock star a rock star why didn't you know I sing songs and put on a show? I've got silly old face paint, a flamethrower suit, and clumpy prickles all over my boots. I'm here in these woods, so I won't keep you long, but I'm after a more rock and roll tongue, the fox said. Bloody idiot! And ran off. On Jean went through the woods, and though it was a haven for wildlife, not one creature had a tongue resembling the kind of thing he was after to replace his own. Meanwhile, back on the tour bus, the rest of the band were becoming worried. He's been gone almost four minutes in real time, pertaining to the broadcast version of this episode. Should we go and look for him, Paul? No, Pete. Let him be. He'll eventually realize that transplanting an animal's tongue into his own human head is a foolish notion, and he'll be back with his tail between his legs. Well, exactly. This time it's a tongue, last time it was a tail, and look what happened there. Knocked over my drum kit he did when he swished it on stage in Miami. I said it then and I'll say it now. A man with big boots and a lycra jumpsuit open to the navel with flames coming out the end of his guitar using the tail of a spider monkey that's been surgically grafted onto his ass to hang from an overhead lighting rig is not the rock and roll spectacle he thinks it is. Ace Freely, the lead guitarist in this band, you haven't said anything through this entire story. Why not? It's another casting budget thing. Yeah, three voices was all we could stretch to. And even then I'm doing two because in the next episode I have to double up as the bus driver. But where is Gene? What would happen next? 
Would Ace freely get another line of dialogue? What would Gene come back with? To be fair, we already know the answer to that one as it's how the story began. It's a cow. But tune in tomorrow to the final chapter in the story of The Kiss and the Cow in the next edition of Rockanori. Hello and welcome to Rockanori. Rock and roll stories for people who don't have or need a bedtime. This is The Kiss and the Cow, Chapter 4. Once upon a time, the rock band Kiss, complete with their face makeup, clumpy, spiky platform boots and lycra costumes cut down to the navel, were riding high on a wave of success. But Gene Simmons, the bass player of Kiss, was far from happy. You see, there could never be enough gimmicks. The band even had a comic printed in their own blood and a demon waffle maker as merchandise, and Gene wanted more. You see, according to the rumours, Gene Simmons, the co-founder of Kiss, had had a cow's tongue grafted into his mouth in place of his own. This gave him the longest tongue in rock, and this is the final chapter in the made-up story of how it came to be. Relax, Pete. He'll be back. He'll soon realise that having an animal's tongue grafted onto your own is a folly, and we'll be on our way sooner than you can say. I'm back, guys. What the? I want to rock and roll all night and party every day, but with this cow. What? No, no. Look, guys, I've cheered right up. I've got this cow off some kid who was taking it to sell at the market, and I think it might just have what I've been looking for. What, milk? Because there's some in the refrigerator. No, 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 Paul, no. A tongue. Think about it. A cow may not have the longest tongue, such as that of the chameleon, and it may not have a versatile tongue, such as that of the anteater. But the cow's tongue is amazing, because you see, a cow only has teeth on the bottom of its mouth. So in order to eat grass, it wraps its tongue around grass to pull it out. So it's very strong. Plus, the tongue surface is rough like sandpaper, and they use it to scratch themselves. Imagine if I did that on stage. Right, well, a couple of points. All I have to do is have it grafted onto my existing tongue, and we're away. What a gimmick! There's not one other rock band anywhere whose bass guitarist can scratch his own back with his tongue on stage. Gene. Pete, the drummer out of Kiss, had noticed something. I'll be able to lick the front row from the stage. Gene. I can even use it to play my bass. What a gimmick! Gene! By now, Pete had become impatient. Where is your bass? What? Your bass guitar. Your court GSX Punisher. Where is it? Uh, well, I got this cow, Daisy. <laughs> Bessie, sorry. And I couldn't pay for it. Why? Hadn't got my wallet. No pockets in Lycra, right? So I swapped my bass guitar for the cow. The rest of the band, including guitarist Ace Freely, who hadn't said much at all due to casting budget restrictions in this production, were appalled. Oh, you stupid... How could you give away your custom-made musical instrument for a cow? And with that, Peter Chris from Kiss burst into tears. Now, it wasn't long before Gene realised his mistake. He knew that without his bass guitar, he simply wouldn't be able to play bass guitar anymore, and that any attempt to replace its rhythmical and melodic sonic backbone of the band with a cow on stage would, at best, be met with derision and, at worst, make the song sound awful. Or... Do it up for the cow! I want to see everybody's tongues in the air!
Meanwhile, on a hillside far, far away, Jack, who at the beginning of this story swapped his cow for a custom-made bass, went on to form a band called the White Stripes, loosely named after those white bits you see on a cow, although, granted, they're not stripes, more splotches, but you try tying up the narrative in this nonsense, and made enough money for him and his mother to live happily ever after. It also involved his sister, but that's another story. Goodbye. Rockanori was written by John Holmes and Gareth Keredig, with additional material by Charlie George. The narrator was Sean Keaveney, with the voices of Alistair Beckett-King, Naomi MacDonald and Jake Yap. Original music by Jake Yap, technicals by Tony Chanside. It was produced and directed by John Holmes and was an unusual production for Absolute Radio, supported by the Audio Content Fund. Guys, this tour bus is a mess. It's covered in cow dung. I'm not driving you anywhere until one of you gets a shovel and cleans it up. It's disgusting. Do I really have to double up and do the bus driver's voice?